The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio. So glad that you could all join us today and very happy to have our guest today. It's Dr. Paul Williamson. He's the author of a new book that you've got to check out. It's called Winning the Energy. Sustainable Energy Plan for America's Future. One of the things that, you know, as a student of a variety of green topics, energy being one of them, one of the frustrations I've had over the years is that, um, you know, we hear a lot, we even see it in mainstream media, talk about uh, energy security. We hear a lot about a variety of renewable energy sources. You know, solar is very sexy. Wind is in the news. Uh, you know, you'll see natural gas fracking stories in the mainstream media. But what seems to be missing is a comprehensive, um, all-encompassing plan for our nation to measure the amount of energy we need and make sure we meet that demand with domestic, sustainable, renewable, or uh, as Dr. Williamson calls it, infinite energy resources. And there just doesn't seem to be a roadmap for that. Fortunately, our guest today, Dr. Williamson, has developed a plan to, to wean us off of where we are today and the unsustainable energy portfolio that we've got to a more sustainable one. And I'm really excited to have him on and to have him explain the components of his plan. Welcome to Go Green Radio, Dr. Williamson. Well, thank you so much, Jill. I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you and your listeners about energy planning. Well, we're glad to have you, and congratulations on your new book, Winning the Energy Wars. Um, you know, writing a book is no easy undertaking, and I'm curious, what prompted you to write it? What uh, what finally pushed you over the threshold of that pain that, that all authors feel <laughs> yeah, of actually really. giving well, birth actually, to a book? it was a choice between, between being committed or doing a book, and I don't know, maybe I should have been committed, I don't know, <laughs> but uh, uh, it's a, a real pleasure uh, to be with you and uh, to uh, take this work that I've put together, and, and it's really, I think, a good follow-on from your uh, Chris Martinson show uh, where he talks about finite resources. Uh, we should have probably a two-volume set that we put together here or something. You but, know, when, uh, when I was reading your book, I, I was thinking the exact same thing. They complement each other very well. Yeah, really. And, and I think it's amazing that uh, two of us from divergent backgrounds and thinking uh, are kind of uh, converging together. But, um, you know, the reason I wrote the book, um, I have been a sustainability uh, passionate person for a long time and uh, felt that I was doing a lot of things uh, to make my life as sustainable as possible. But uh, as I was on a road trip uh, up to Alaska, I kept asking myself, okay, now, uh, I'm doing all this. Why aren't these other people doing it? And so I was complaining to myself about uh, all of our uh, leadership and everything. And then I thought, you know, 
instead of complaining, you better put your money where your mouth is and do something about it. So uh, I uh, decided to write a book about it. And as we uh, suggested, uh, writing a book is uh, no small undertaking. And uh, I have what I call the Williamson paradigm, and that is everything I go to do is twice as hard, twice as long, and twice as expensive as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> and so book writing falls right into those uh, parameters. Mm-hmm. But uh, I thought we needed some problem solving, and we needed to come up with some, some solutions instead of just the complaining. So... Uh, I uh, thought that, uh, you know, whose fault is this? You know, it's not business and industry's fault because they're simply, you know, seeking to make money. You know, that's why they're on on this planet, and their investors demand that they uh, do that. Uh, It's uh, probably more our fault. You know, we continue to uh, use uh, finite fuels. We go down to the service station to buy our gasoline. Uh, We continue to do that uh, with reckless abandon. And um, so we're probably as much to blame as anybody. But uh, in winning the energy wars, I thought was a starting point that I could put together a plan so that we could uh, move forward with it. Well, so there's at least something on the table. You know, how refreshing. Even if, you know, somebody tweaks the plan or whatever, at least we've got something out on the table to discuss. You know, if you ask the average American, and we still talk about the American dream, and if you ask them what fuels the American dream, I think a lot of people will say things like freedom, uh, capitalism, or hard work. But in your book, you make the case that the American dream is fueled by energy. And I would love for you to explain that assertion to our listeners, if you would, please. I sure be glad to, uh, Jill. This is um, really a, a good point to start on because uh, perceptions are everything. Mm-hmm. But everything, I mean, everything that we do is dependent on energy. Uh, the more energy we have, the more we can do. And the more we can do, the more we can develop. And the more we develop, the bigger our American dream. So uh, I feel that that's, you know, really the, the crux of the whole situation here. But, of course, you know, freedom and capitalism and hard work all are integral part of what we are. But without energy, we absolutely have nothing. America can really not uh, maintain its quality of life or the American dream without continual growth. And that continual growth demands continual increase in our energy supplies. Well, and you're not just talking about human energy. I mean, you're talking about energy in the form of electricity or fuel and things like that. Um, and I think a lot of people don't realize how much energy goes into the quote-unquote American dream, building a house, um, you know, having good-paying jobs, the kind of uh, items that we purchase that use energy or require a good deal of energy to make our lives easier. I mean, you know, I think about, uh, women in the past uh, who are like me, working moms, um, if they didn't have a washing machine and a dryer, hours and hours and hours a week that I'm not spending, like on the scrubbing board, you know, <laughs> doing my family's laundry, are devoted to other tasks, other meaningful work. I mean that, and and it has allowed some prosperity in my family. Um, that all takes energy to make that jump from women spending, you know, 20 hours a week scrubbing. Uh, clothes to throw them in the washing machine and every incremental uh, 
piece of progress that's allowed more human bandwidth and brain share to be put into prosperity, well, that's those are all the ingredients of the American dream, and all of that has taken energy. So exactly. I couldn't agree. With you know, you. I had a uh, student that was at one of my alternative uh, car, alternative energy car shows, where I had my electric pickup there, and we were talking on how much it cost me to uh, run my electric pickup. And I said, well, you know, I can get about 90 miles out of it. Uh, that's about uh, 4 kilowatts of electricity. That's about 40 cents. And, and we start figuring, and we figured that it costs him more from an energy standpoint, in other words, his consumption of food, to ride his bicycle 90 miles than it did for me to drive my uh, electric pickup 90 miles. Interesting. And see, we just don't talk about it in those kinds of terms enough to really understand that our way of life, I mean, really, the standard of living that we want to live ourselves and pass on to our children is going to require more and more energy, and we really need to be thinking about where that's going to come from. You know, the word crisis, you know, we can talk about an energy crisis, and I agree with you, we've got one, but that word has been so overused in the past few decades that I think it fails to sort of elicit much of a response out of people anymore. I mean, they're hearing about the debt crisis, the economic crisis, an environmental crisis, and so many other things. I think you're spot on when you say we're facing an energy crisis, but how can you explain this predicament to our listeners in a way that doesn't rely on them to have a big emotional response that leads them to action when you say the word crisis? How can we explain this in different terms? Well, and I agree with you. Uh, I think crisis is overused, and uh, we seem to have, like you said, more than them than we uh, probably deserve, or may, I guess we deserve everything we've got. But anyway... Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think we're, by using the word crisis, we're always trying to bring attention to a situation and solicit involvement. And uh, that's probably where we're at. You know, our history has shown that uh, we are faced with a seemingly insurmountable challenge in, in America. And uh, whether it was the World War II or Manhattan Project or the interstate system or the race to the moon, you know, we have dealt with these crises and we've brought them home and we've embrace them and we've done something about them but you know ever since i was a boy we have not taken on head-on any particular crisis or challenge uh like the energy challenge uh in order to come up with a solution and really ensure that we have a sustainable future so i think uh we we need to uh use our abilities and uh not uh you know look at, at a crisis that, that it has to be changed, everything tomorrow. Uh, but we, we need to start looking at, okay, what, what's the steps that we need to take in order to make that happen? Well, tell us, you know, in, in kitchen table talk, as if we were sitting down with our listeners at my kitchen table having a cup of coffee or something, why are we, you know, what, what do you mean by energy crisis? What's going on? What are, well, what are I mean, what's the, what's the deal? Yeah, I think uh, where, where we're coming from is uh, we have to have more energy every day to survive here in the United States because consumerism and capitalism depend on that. Uh, unfortunately, we are dependent on finite resources right now to do that, and, and we are also uh, uh, underwriting uh, the development of the rest of the world. Uh, more people are coming online from a population standpoint and also from a middle-class standpoint so they need more money, uh, they need more energy, 
to reach the American dream. And uh, you can travel around the world, and uh, mm-hmm. everybody talks about, you know, I like to do what they want to do in America. And uh, even in the Arab Spring, uh, although there are um, parts of the Arab Spring that wouldn't attest to this, but uh, a lot of them want to achieve the American dream. And to achieve that, you have to have more energy. And if you have more energy, there's going to be more demand, and the price is going to go up uh, naturally, and mm-hmm. uh, the demand will eventually use up all of our finite resources uh, if we don't do something different. So uh, a crisis is, uh, I think, uh, here or at least on the horizon uh, as far as energy is concerned. Well, and just simply from a supply and demand perspective, there's nothing hard to understand about that. Um, and it's not as if you have to be a rocket scientist to understand that, uh, you know, even if uh, some of these developing countries didn't use more energy, which, of course, we know they are, um, but even if they didn't, um, and everybody just used the same amount of energy per capita that we always have, um, the per capita numbers are, are getting larger. Population is getting bigger. So even if we we stayed put in terms of our individual consumption, um, we need more energy. And I think one of the things that you know you referenced the Chris Martinson interview that we did recently. One of the things that he brought up that I thought was so profound is that. It's not even that we're um, running out of, of certain things, although, of course, if it's finite, it will run out. But the the net energy that we're extracting from some of our finite resources is simply less because we're going from – this is the way I explain it to my friends – we're going from cheap to deep energy. I mean, all the stuff that was shallow and easy to get to and cheap to extract where we could get a maximum return on our, our investment of – you know, what it took, uh, to get that energy out of the ground, um, those days are behind us. And now we're starting to have to go deeper and deeper and it costs more and more to get that energy out. And it's just not the same quality. Um, and, and, you know, that, that, that net energy effect is what's really kind of killing us. We're having to put a lot more energy in to get the same amount of energy out. And that's and what's making it tough. the sad thing about that, Jill, is, you know, we don't have to. We've got, resources we got uh there's alternatives yeah and that's what we're going to be talking about in uh the next segment and i'm really excited about that because the the, the good news is there's hope yeah. <laughs> there are other alternative endings to this story so we're going to take a quick commercial break folks but don't go away there's a lot more go green radio right after this Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you ready to change your relationships, your business, your body, and your life? You'll want to tune in to Transformation Talk Radio with host Tony Litster. It's an inspiring hour of conversation, special guests, and wisdom that has made Tony an expert with personal life experience. His down-to-earth style will give you the keys to unlock your greatest potential. Listen for Transformation Talk Radio live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Listening can truly change your life. Come back to your senses. Imagine a radio show that will help you recover your common sense. Host Leah Brenda Smith is a health and wellness specialist who 
will explain techniques designed to help you recover from the stress of your life. It's all about how you respond to your thoughts. A little bit of self-awareness can go a long way in helping you to relax and enjoy your life. Tune in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio, live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. I'd like to give a shout out to all my tweeps. Thanks for following us. Thanks for sending me questions and, and comments on each and every Go Green Radio show. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, my handle is very simple, at Jill Buck, J-I-L-L-B-U-C-K. Well, today our guest is Dr. Paul Williamson, and he's the author of a book called Winning the Energy Wars, a Sustainable Energy Plan for America's Future. And you can check out his website. Don't turn us off here. Keep listening to us uh, here on voiceamerica.com. But if you want to follow along and look at his website while we're talking to Paul, go to a new tab in your web browser and type in www.usa-sep.com. And that's where you can find his book and a lot of other great information that he's got on his website. It's it's a well-done site, I have to say, Paul. I really enjoyed looking oh, at you. it. thank you. Thank you. Yeah. They're always a, a work in progress, I'm finding. Yeah, that's the that's the truth. My website, gogreeninitiative.org, is about ready to get a grenade thrown into the middle of it, and we're revamping the whole thing. (laughs) Um, You know, energy touches all of our lives, and we were just talking about, uh, you know, in the last segment that we are facing a difficult situation in terms of the amount of energy that the world and all of its consumers want and need, and how much there actually is to extract. but a lot of individuals think that these types of issues are just too big for average citizens to worry about. Um, you know, we do have government agencies with supposedly subject matter experts who are supposed to be handling these types of big problems. In your opinion, Paul, how is our government doing in this regard? If you had to give them a report card, what grade would you give them and why? Well, you put me back into my academic setting here, which is I know. Uh, <laughs> comfortable, but uh, as far as grading students. And, uh, but, you know, the bottom line is that when it comes to solving problems, the worst place to go is the government. <laughs> just, you know, there are very few instances where government programs are efficiently run or sustainable in any stretch of the imagination. Energy is one of those 
quote-unquote systems is just not working, and uh, I see little hope that any government entity has the leadership direction or vision to guide us into a sustainable future. The, the past uh, is a prologue, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess my report card uh, would be something like uh, I would give the, the government a D-plus for sy- systems development, I'd give them a D for leadership and an F for energy visioning. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I mean, I don't even know if, if there's a grade low enough for energy visioning. <laughs> <laughs> I think F might be too high. Now, one of the proposals uh, that you have is to disband the Department of Energy. Um, talk to us about your rationale for that concept and why you believe they're failing to give Americans a, an acceptable return on investment for the tax dollars that we invest in them. Well, yeah, and this this is a hard thing for me. I was trying to uh, figure this all out. But in the real world, uh, as opposed to the world of government, uh, there are expectations and responsibilities that we all have. And since energy is so pivotal to the very fabric of America, it would be logical that if you were an interstellar alien and you came to the United States and said, take me to your energy leader, that you would most probably be directed to the Department of Energy. Yet in 35 years, this giant multi-billion dollar government agency that has tentacles in every university and quote-unquote manages our national labs, along with our nuclear program, has really not delivered. Um, You can identify one other real environment that uh, they come from, and that's an environment of just maintaining and moving on from next year to next year. And we don't see any place where the outcomes have any consequences uh, on what they do. So if they don't succeed, uh, you go on to the next year. And unfortunately, they haven't taken on the responsibility for America's future and assumed a sustainable future is part of their job. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, this case and point came to roost for me a little bit as I was pondering an article I saw on Thomson Reuters uh, June 4th, just this week. And uh, the headline was that ExxonMobil was considering exporting liquefied natural gas. Um, and, you know, all along, and we still, you know, you watch any cable news uh, station, you're going to see uh, natural gas commercials, the people in natural gas, they're putting out commercials about how this is domestic energy, um, you know, that it provides energy security. And then you think, okay, at the end of the day, you know, all this fracking, all of this, you know, activity going on is supposed to be creating cheap natural gas to fuel our economy, to help our manufacturing facilities comply with the Clean Air Act, et cetera, et cetera. But now natural gas has gotten so cheap that some of the companies responsible for those supplies are thinking, you know, maybe we could make a few more bucks if we sold it overseas. That's not how it was supposed to be. That's not how it was being sold. And we don't have any... Anything in place, any managerial uh, vision in place to say, nope, that's our gas. <laughs> it yeah. stays in America, you know. You're and being I find too logical that there, Jill. What's going on there? I know. You know? <laughs> that's my Achilles heel. Logic. Dug on it. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, and, and they're in the business of, of making money. But when you don't have a plan uh, and you don't have any vision as to where we're going with energy, uh, you're going to just uh, rape, pillage, and plunder as much energy as you possibly can so that you can sell it and make as much money as you can. 
Yeah, I mean, it's the, in their best interests, but that again, it, you know, if we don't have any, you know, DOE or other governmental regulations that would, you know, um, have even any teeth to, to, to say, well, that's not really helpful and that's going to be penalized somehow. I mean, you know, what are you going to say to a company that, that does that? Nothing. You know, in the last segment, we promised that we would be talking about some hope, you know, that there are alternatives to some of the finite resources that we're so dependent on. And you've categorized the various energy forms into three categories, uh, finite resources, transitional resources, and infinite resources. Help our listeners understand what types of energy fall into each of the categories and how the realities of supply and demand should shape our nation's reliance on each category of energy resource. Give us, give us a little class at on <laughs> those okay. uh, types of energies. Well, uh, you know, as I was trying to organize my book, I, I started thinking, okay, do we have enough domestic energy resources in order to uh, make it to a sustainable future? So I started identifying all the energy resources we have in the United States, and I've got, uh, depending on how a person looks at it, 80 to 100 of those resources. And when you look at our resources, it's really a zero-sum game. Uh, if you uh, get X number amount of energy or megawatts from in one energy resource, you need less in megawatts from maybe another one. Mm-hmm. So if you are of, of, of the thinking that we need to have all solar energy uh, in the United States, which isn't bad thinking, I'm not against that at all, you also uh, need to have a reality check as to how much energy, how many megawatts of electricity we can generate uh, to make that happen. So in the finite energy resources, I see those as something that we have now, and there is not a switch that I can find that we can switch and say, tomorrow we're not going to use any finite energy resources anymore. And those would be things like coal and natural gas and uh, nuclear and petroleum. Uh, But if we could plan this, we want to start decreasing in the plan how much we are relying on those finite energy resources because we have to use those resources for many other things, whether it's pharmaceuticals or food processing or fertilizers or whatever. I mean, they have multiple uses other than just guzzling it down our vehicles. Mm -hmm. So uh, we want to move away from the finite resources, but we need to get something in between so that we can get to the infinite, and that's what I call transitional resources, and those are like agricultural biofuels, uh, cellulosic things. Uh, we have uh, transitional fuels like hydrogen. Uh, we have waste products that we can get a lot of energy from, and we have woody biomass that uh, is it's another possibility for fuels. So once we start increasing our amount of transitional resources, we can start decreasing the amount of finite resources. But uh, the Transitional resources is more like a bell-shaped curve. In other words, we increase our use and then we decrease our use as we get to more infinite energy resources, uh, such as uh, geothermal and solar and water power and wind and um, a few others. Uh, So we'll start increasing those as we have been over the last decade uh, with our wind power and solar power to the point that we eventually get to the future where we can generate all of our electricity, or at least a vast majority of it, from our infinite energy resources, such as uh, solar satellites and uh, uh, hydrogen-powered cars and things like that that have uh, less impact on our environment and on our future uh, as a country. 
So correct me if I'm wrong, but if I understand the benefit of what you're talking about, uh, the transitional energy forms can be used with the kind of grid system that we have now. I mean, we have a very centralized distribution system that's kind of based on big coal plants and a lot of centralized generation being distributed that way. The the finite resources, when you talk about wind, solar, etc., a lot of those uh, infinite resource um, generation modules are probably going to be much more distributed. And it's going to take a while for us to get to the kind of infrastructure that will allow the same reliability we enjoy right now, uh, mostly fired by coal, uh, you know, and electricity and what have you, and, and those transitional energy sources are going to be able to allow us kind of a smooth transition from one infrastructure to another. Is that correct? You are absolutely on track, and in the grid is a great example. You know, our our grid system is you know getting very old, uh, needs billions and billions of dollars to uh, get back to speed. Uh, so why don't we spend that money on something in a plan? where eventually we have distributive energy and we, we look at the, the opportunities that we have in our own backyard and we don't have to go thousands of miles and we don't have to uh, see a squirrel uh, take out a whole northeastern sector of, of our, our grid uh, simply by <laughs> jumping from one wire to another. I know that is crazy. If if there was ever a case study for, you know, making the case for distributed generation, last winter was it right in the Northeast? Oh my goodness! Well, we've yeah. got to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about that infrastructure issue. What do we do? What do we need? And uh, how are we going to pay for it? The big question. So more Go Green Radio, folks. Right after this. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Family caregivers face some tough challenges every day in caring for a partner, parent, child, sibling, friend, neighbor, or even coworker. You are there to provide the care that these people need after everyone else has gone home. Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley will provide you with a social networking experience. You'll hear from experts and others who are experiencing the same things, and together you will promote a common cause. Tune in to Family Caregivers Unite, live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com.
You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio again. If you're just joining us, our guest today is Dr. Paul Williamson. He's the author of a book called Winning the Energy Wars, a Sustainable Energy Plan for America's Future. And you can check out his website while we talk to him. Don't shut off this uh, this tab in your web browser. Keep listening to us on voiceamerica.com. But open a new tab in your web browser and go to wwwusa sep.com and that's his website you can find out how to get his book and a lot more great information about his sustainable energy plan um, some very innovative concepts that I can tell you as somebody who is a self-proclaimed energy geek I haven't seen some of these proposals before it's very revolutionary before we went to break we were talking about our energy infrastructure system and here's kind of the recap right now the way that we get uh, particularly electricity, which is sort of the juice of our standard of living and our society, is it's set up where we have these big power plants and they distribute uh, electricity over long you know, power lines. We've all seen those, of course, and that's kind of how we get electricity. Now, if we're going to be uh, weaning ourselves off of finite fuels like coal and, and other things um, and, and getting more into solar and wind, just the way that they work is going to need a different energy transmission system. We're going to need a little bit more of a distributed infrastructure uh, to handle that, to make solar and wind and some of the other renewable energy sources um, just as reliable as the energy system that we currently have with coal plants and, and other big things like nuclear plants and what have you. So let's talk about that for a second, Dr. Williamson. What kind of infrastructure transitions do we need to make in order to get us to that point? What what are we going to have to do? I mean, talk about it from a community-to-community community perspective. Well, I think this is an uh, ideal opportunity, really, for all of us in, in our communities and in our uh, own vocations to uh, get involved in it, to find ways that uh, we can work at our business to not only save energy but generate energy through uh, solar panels and solar film on our buildings, uh, putting up uh, community uh, wind turbine sites, uh, working with our agricultural people to uh, develop what I call uh, energy resource uh, centers. Uh, there's just all kinds of things that uh, can be done uh, so that we can wean ourselves away from our massive infrastructure that we've become so dependent on. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, here's the catch-22, especially now that we're in an economic downturn, we need money to pay, to pay for this infrastructure, um, and money comes from a growing economy. Economic growth is fueled by energy, but we're facing lower and lower net energy returns on the dollars we're putting into energy production, and so we have you know less surplus energy to fuel the economic growth that we need to pay for things like energy infrastructure upgrades. How do we kind of break ourselves free from this conundrum so that we can actually pay for this? Well, I think conundrum is uh, certainly the operative word here. 
And uh, I found myself using it in my book more often than I probably should have and probably got edited out as time went by. But <laughs> our country operates on uh, growth and consumption, uh, which we've already touched on somewhat. And whether we like it or not, uh, growth happens to be the best environment uh, where sustainability, predictability, and consistency don't happen together. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way energy commodities presently whipsaw us around and the lack of energy leadership and vision that we have in America, economic growth is more of a crapshoot than it is a planned activity. Mm-hmm. So I know I kind of keep coming back to the same theme, but uh, this is precisely why we need a comprehensive, logical, incrementally sustainable energy plan. When we have an energy plan in place, we know how to get from point A to point B. Uh, we know what inter- energy production is needed, uh, what is used, uh, how it's going to be distributed, and how we're going to develop it at a much li- higher level of predictability. And, and as you know, in business and industry, predictability is the gold of the business standard. Mm-hmm. And uh, the more predictable life is in the business world, uh, the more people that can be hired, uh, the more business that can be created, and the more sustainable a business can be once they know of what's going on in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, if you had a business owner making widgets, and uh, you could tell them that the cost of energy from now until, say, 10 years from now, that it's going to be X, uh, do you think that it would be easier or harder for the business woman or man to better plan for the future of his or her company? Of course, uh, way easier. Would, yeah. yeah, you know. Uh, if you know what's going on, you can make predictions and you can and get production and work with people. Uh, it's just so logical to me that uh, it's hard to overlook. Well, and earlier we were talking about you know your concept to uh, disband the Department of Energy uh, because they really haven't provided that kind of leadership. But I want to talk about the energy leadership alternative that you proposed in your book. I thought this was really an interesting idea. It would be comprised of state governors. Very yeah, interesting. you know, uh, when I started, you know, my mom used to say, "If you haven't got something better to say, shut up." And uh, so I thought, well, (laughs) I need to come up with a solution here. I can't just, you know, talk about problems without a solution. So, uh, of course, I I couldn't find anything in our present schema uh, that would allow me to go along with what we're doing now. Uh, So I started looking around and said, well, okay, we have 30 governors and we have 30 legislatures in the United States that have already put together an alternative energy plan sort of, uh, you know, in the renewable energy standards, Uh, let's go with the people that are successful. Let's go with the people that know what's going on in the states, that have the pulse of the American public, and let's use their wisdom and knowledge. They know how to balance budgets. Uh, They know how to attract business. They know how to create jobs. Uh, it, It just made simple sense to me that we would uh, create a group uh, called the Governors or the National Governors of Renewable. I'm sure, get it right here. Governors National Sustainable Energy Council, mm-hmm. and uh, with this council, uh, we could get everyone involved. And by rotating uh, the executive board of that council, uh, we could get all the states represented. And uh, you know, we know that uh, good number, uh, good governors know daily what's going on, and I think they're the ones that really know where things are going and uh, what the expectations are of the future. 
So uh, this council would be uh, physically located somewhere in the heartland of America, away from the dysfunctionalism of Washington, D.C. Uh, it would have an executive director with the boards uh, that would direct it and uh, move things forward. And American people would have a virtual and transparent uh, window into what's going on with our energy planning and our energy future. Uh, so I, I think that. that's the way to go, and uh, I think they have the wherewithal to do it, and we uh, can get this going um, relatively simply if we can get Congress to enact uh, the legislation that's necessary uh, to create this uh, Governor's National Sustainable Energy Council. That's such an innovative idea. I mean, it, it really is appealing. Now, in your book, you also talk about a number of changes beyond just infrastructure and leadership that will need to occur within our society. And I'd like to start with agricultural change. What needs to change about our ag system and our food system? Well, our um, food system, uh, you know, we depend on our agriculture uh, in an unbelievable way. Uh, we and, and they have pulled us out of the, the doldrums many times, uh, especially like in world trade. I mean, if, if we didn't have agricultural goods to ship overseas, our balance of trade would be even a lot worse than it is right now. But uh, So I think agriculture can play a, a very vital role. Uh, our agricultural system, like everything else, is based on fossil fuels, uh, and which are finite and which are not going to last. So we need to foster a whole new uh, world of uh, agricultural innovation. And I want to work with agriculture to set up systems so they can not only produce transitional fuels, but they can become self-sufficient by having energy production centers right on their farm uh, that they can use not only to get us through this transitional phase, but then they can use well into the future to maintain their farming operations and provide us with a growing need for foodstuffs that we have in the world. Well, and, and there's just something about empowering people who are close to the land. I grew up in rural southern Illinois, and um, you talk about get-her-done kind of folks. Exactly. <laughs> you know, farmers are, are amazingly resilient, you know, hardworking and very savvy when it comes to these elemental, you know, very fundamental issues like food and energy and, you know, what it takes um, to to maximize output and things like that. So I, I think that's a great idea. You also talked about some changes in our business sector. Um, what role do you see American businesses playing in this plan for a sustainable energy future for the U.S.? Well, I think uh, business is uh, the critical part of my uh, governor's uh, National Sustainable Energy Council because business and this group, this council, can work together in public-private partnerships that uh, will allow us to move technology forward to fulfill the goals of the sustainable energy plan and to derive uh, benefit. Uh, from the funds that uh, we as taxpayers are paying uh, to run this country. Uh, we uh, have a, a very low return on our investment right now as far as what we put into energy and, and what we're getting out of it. And uh, by unleashing our entrepreneurs and our great business minds here uh, in the United States and working with the Governor's Council, I think uh, we could get, come up with some really fantastic opportunities 
that uh, would be unmatched by uh, other countries and uh, other places. Well, what I like about the concepts in your plan, Dr. Williamson, is that you know, you're not pretending to have all the answers, but what you've done is kind of created um, an innovative framework of leadership of people who are, are more likely to succeed than our current structure. And I think that's very, very creative and very interesting. I'm hoping our listeners will really um, think hard about uh, this governor's council when it comes to you know energy leadership. You have some suggestions at the end of your book about how individuals can get involved in helping to bring that to fruition. We'll cover that in the next segment. We've got to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, there's more Go Green Radio, so don't go away, folks. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Racism. Healing. Oneness of humankind. It is time to join millions of people all over the world who openly talk about racial healing. Some of us are not sure how to tread when discussing race and culture. Until now, tune in to A Safe Place to Talk About Race with host Sharon E. Davis. Engage with experts and notables. Have a question but are not sure how to ask it? Test it out with our show. It's a safe harbor to explore views and situations that we face every day. A Safe Place to Talk About Race airs live every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. In case you're just joining us, our guest today is Dr. Paul Williamson. He's the author of a new book called Winning the Energy Wars, a Sustainable Energy Plan for America's Future. And I want you to check out his website. That's where you can find his book and a whole lot of other great information. Um, his website is www.usa-sep.com. Check it out. Well, you know, 
Paul, we've been talking about a lot of great ideas that you've got, a lot of innovative stuff. But, uh, you know, everybody's probably thinking the same thing I'm thinking. How are we going to pay for this, Paul? <laughs> Show well, me the money. You, Jill. I, I thought you'd have your checkbook ready to go there. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, uh, so now it's the Jerry Maguire time uh, to all of this. Show us the money. Where's it coming from? Well, in, in my vision uh, for a new sustainable energy plan, uh, of course, if you're going to have a, um, a solution, you've got to have a way to fund it. And so I've tried to come up with some ideas that I think are somewhat out of the box, but uh, I'm sure your listeners can even come up with some better ones. Um, but the extensive and uh, very divergent funding streams that are now going into the Department of Energy and all the other federal programs uh, for a plethora of uh, uncoordinated, undirectional energy programs will be channeled to our Governor's National Sustainable Energy Council. And with the, those funds that are now uh, you know, going there, I think we can get a lot more bang for the buck and return on the investment uh, by having them come to our uh, Governor's Council. Additionally, I wanted to uh, set up the Alternative Energy Bond Fund, uh, which would be created by implementing a surcharge on non-sustainable finite energy resources and uh, the users of that. Um, this would uh, bring several billion dollars into this bond fund. And then I wanted to set up what I'm calling the National Savings Bond Series AE, Alternative Energy. Uh, during the war, uh, World War II, uh, people bought savings bonds because they wanted to support the effort. And I wanted to give everybody the opportunity to be part of our sustainable energy plan. And then finally, I set up a program called uh, Invest in America, which would allow the financial sector, sector uh, which has brought so much grief to so many people here in the last uh, few years, for them to participate by having a one-cent uh, uh, fee that would go on to each stock or bond or uh, municipal or whatever uh, financial document that's being traded. Uh, so everybody has a chance to participate, and uh, we all have a possible uh, hand in making it a sustainable future that will support uh, our country and where we want to go in the future with all of our kids. And never once did you say the word tax. No. <laughs> How refreshing. Well, now, you give us some numbers. You should know all about that. <laughs> I know. Ain't it the truth? Now, tell us, um, give us some numbers to that. Like, for instance, if we were to say, okay, the Department of Energy is sunsetting. It started in 73. It's had a good run, but we're going to sunset it. How much money just from that piece could we funnel to our governor's leadership council on sustainable energy? Well, uh, you know, it, it's hard to get a hold of numbers, and, and I'm sure that uh, that's uh, done for a reason. But um, with with the Department of Energy, there's anywhere between uh, 25 and $35 billion. Uh, and we're talking about the national uh, renewable, or I'm sorry, the national labs, uh, that are involved in that, and we need to redirect their activities through the governor's council so that they have uh, more responsibility and they have direct outcomes as far as megawatt production that they have to do with business and industry in order to uh, keep alive. So uh, there's, there's lots of money that's already being spent, and we don't have to create a whole bunch more uh, if, if we manage what we've got in a more uh, wise way. Are you talking about demanding results for our investment? <laughs> oh, isn't that, isn't that that's, crazy? That's weird. I, I'm yeah. sorry. 
now, some of our listeners are probably feeling, you know, excited and yet a little bit overwhelmed and intimidated uh, because they probably want to be part of this, but uh, they don't know where to start. What can our individual listeners be doing right now today um, to help bring about the changes that we need in order to secure our energy future for this country? Well, I, you know, of course, I would like them to uh, go to my website, which is uh, usa-sep.com, uh, and uh, if they can, uh, buy a book and, and get their neighbors to do the same and start critiquing what I've put together and, and use the website and, and your website uh, to let people know where they're at and what they're thinking is. I think that's a good thing. I think they need to contact their um, representatives in Washington, D.C., and start the process to decommission the Department of Energy. Uh, that's going to be no small task, and it's going to take a lot of people to uh, make that happen. Uh, at the same time, I want them to encourage our congressional people to establish the Governor's National Sustainable Energy Council. Uh, this is going to be the pivotal point in getting this whole sustainable energy plan uh, moving forward. And... Uh, I would ask them to input. You know, I uh, am not naive enough to think that everything I've come up with is uh, perfect. And uh, if we all work on it together, I think we can come up with something that is sustainable and uh, will help our children have a world to live in. Well, and and I think that's, you know, everybody's goal. I mean, you know, it's amazing um, what we do to secure a healthy, happy future for our children. I mean, everything from, you know, really looking after their education system, taking them to the doctor and the dentist, you know, and all these things, saving for their college education. This is this may be just as important, if not more important, than even all of those things. It's kind of another way of expressing your love and concern for your children's future, is to be concerned with their energy future. Um, it's going to be critical. No matter what profession they choose, it's going to require energy to live, to work, um, and all of those things that we hope that they will enjoy. I want to ask your opinion on something, Dr. Williamson. I mean, we've been talking a lot about a very America-centric you know, plan here. Is it possible for the U.S. to have a successful, sustainable energy plan if the rest of the world does not? I mean, is this an initiative that we can complete in a vacuum? Well, I, I don't think anything that we do in America uh, happens in a vacuum, um, but... Uh, I have concentrated only on the USA in putting this plan together because my feeling is, one, what are, who are we to go around the world and telling people how they should generate energy and use energy when we don't even know how to do it ourselves? So I think the, the solution lies in our own backyard first. And if we are taken out of the total energy picture as far as the global demand is concerned for energy – that that will release unbelievable amount of energy to other developing countries, but it also will provide the leadership in moving forward to a sustainable future because I think everybody in the world realizes that's something that needs to be done. There's just no leadership in order to bring it to fruition, and I think we could do that first for ourselves and not critique everybody else and then show everybody else how we did it and help them do it. Create the playbook, if you will. Exactly. 
Well, and, and it's not like America has never led from the front before. I mean, you know, even just the whole idea of democracy and capitalism. I mean, we've, we've done that before. We've, we can do it again. And I think that what you've outlined in your book is, is so interesting. Um, it's, it's food for thought for anybody who, uh, wants to understand the lifeblood of the world around them that they see, and that's energy. And I think it's very accessible. And that's why I recommend the book, Winning the Energy Wars, A Sustainable Energy Plan for America's Future, um, because I think it's a great primer for everyday people to get a hold of and understand uh, what's happening. And I think that that understanding will lead to civic engagement. Um, that's exactly what we need, everybody getting involved in the solution. Thanks for being with us, Dr. Williamson. Great having you on Go Green Radio. And uh, to all of our listeners, we're going to be here same time, same place next week with more Go Green Radio. Until then, have an awesome week and do something in your life to go green. Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.